and welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And as always, we got the craft and the crime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we... I finished 10 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right like before I came over. the last time, yeah. <laughs> I know. I finished last night and I actually took my husband's advice and just typed it as I watched it because I like handwriting it out. I like, mm-hmm. I know you read it off your handwritten <laughs> notes. And what I was doing was I was taking, jotting down my notes mm-hmm. and, you know, abbreviating stuff or whatever. And then I would, uh, you know, still like if I'm watching something, pause it a million times. If I'm listening to something, yeah. pause it a million times. Mm-hmm. And then I would type up my notes. And so this time, because Jack was like, why don't you just type it up as you watch it? I'm like, sure, that's a good idea, but I don't want to. <laughs> I like it's, handwriting yeah, it. Yeah. So then yesterday, I was, uh, yesterday afternoon, I was like, I'm going to do my crime and see because usually what I do is like over two days like I'd start one day and finish the next day so I figured Mm -hmm. like oh I'd be finishing today no I finished yesterday because I set it up differently because I started recording or for recording um I started my case when um Jack came home from he had to go get the van smogged and all of that Uh and so he wanted to watch TV. I didn't want to hog the TV, you know, with yeah. my, my true crime stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'll just put my headphones our- in and, um, you know, listen to or, you know, listen to it. And it was convenient mm-hmm. because I could like pause it on my AirPods. And oh, so I could lucky. pause it with like just squeezing my headphone. And, um, and I just typed it up. And then if there was something that I saw later or like that was clarified later, I was able to like go back and like add it in. And so that's my new way of. Now you guys Love know it. the process. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I I used to type it or handwrite it all down. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that I take my notes is I leave out like and the oh. I leave out all that just uh-huh. and then I would type it. I would type it up onto On my phone. phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would hold it in my hand because again, the same thing, like uh, both of our husbands aren't into this shit. No, but Jack <laughs> listens funny. to us. Yeah. He li- he's like, tries- he just pops on his yeah, next list and he'll he, listen to he it. He will. He'll try to, but, um, he's like always on the phone and stuff at work. Yeah. So he really can't, he doesn't have a lot of time, but, yeah. um, so I'm always doing it on off family hours, which mm-hmm. is really late That's or really neat. early in the morning. And I was on the phone with a good friend last night for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was just like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just finish in the morning because I really didn't have a lot left to do. And I mm-hmm. didn't. But then the cat was sick all morning. Oh, and, yeah. And then so I like just finished up right before I came over. But it's yeah. fine. And we're recording early. Usually we record mm-hmm. later, but there's like a few things that I have going on later. Yeah. And so I'm like, we got to go like get this done early. Um, it is weird so, how early it is. <laughs> I know it's not even that early. It's noon, but usually, usually we record when Jack gets home so he can keep the kids quiet. Mm-hmm. So if you hear kids screaming in the background, and I then because apologize. of his older schedule, it was like yeah. three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, so now we're like a few hours early. Mm-hmm. So it's just different. So yeah, now that his work schedule is all weird, he would usually yeah come home and then watch the kids, and we'd record, and then. By that time, it's like almost dinner time by the time we're done. So Dang it. Sorry. I was looking at the picture of the egg yolk. The bullseye is covered perfectly by the shine through the window, but it was oh. absolutely there. Oh, no. Yeah. We're dealing with a rooster problem right Too now. Too many. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like, what the heck? We've had three, had four, four, five. Five. Bambi. Yeah. Fluffy Cheeks. Bambi, Fluffy Cheeks, Belial. And the, the first one we had to... Get oh, rid of. yeah, we've had five roosters. I <laughs> forgot. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we fancy neck. <laughs> fancy. That's what it was. We had fancy neck, fluffy cheeks. So fancy neck was first. We knew mm-hmm. he was because he was older. Mm-hmm. Belial, we knew, but we kept him around because he fertilized all the eggs that we put in my incubator. So the Americana can lay, the the Mm -hmm. babies that'll come from the Americana should be olive eggers. Yeah. Yeah. And then... But he got rehomed. Yeah. And then... um, So... Oh, (laughs) Feline, Fluffy Cheeks, and Bambi. Or what we have now. Your Feline, my Fluffy Cheeks, and Bambi. (laughs) And so I have two roosters. Well, no, I have one now. I got rid of the other one. And so we each have... Trying to get rid of each of our last ones. Yeah. So we have posts up and like free come and get them it's like that take my wife please it's like take my rue please please and people do i mean and if they're I... so like i'm not sure about is fluffy cheeks nice enough yeah yeah and quiet enough that's Feline. why i'm like yeah i hear Feline, my my girl boy yeah is so loud but is the sweetest and i'm heartbroken she, because she, i know he's big he's yeah. really big and really really sweet and i love his bright yellow feet because they look like galoshes and i'm so sad i know i know it sucks. but at least he's nice because that definitely gets them picked up mm-hmm. is when they're like literally yeah. he'll let me hold Not him like the nicest. attacked me i still think it was just because there were three of them in there probably because i had three roosters, roosters. we had no idea mm-hmm. well we kind of thought maybe, no we knew belial was no no i meant like maybe we thought Bambi oh, kind yeah. of was, but he was so young that and we figured Feline wasn't in there. It was just Bambi, mm-hmm. fluffy cheeks, fluffy and, Belial. cheeks and Belial. It was so yeah. I was messing with the quail. I was trying to yeah, <laughs> see if they were you know putting males and females so leg bands on them. And he just attacked me. I think I talked about it on another episode. So I'm kind of glad he's gone. And he was loud. <sighs> and then um, he was my baby. Yeah. And but now he's somebody else's baby. Bambi was very loud, and he kept getting that collar off. So oh yeah, yeah. That it's called a no crow collar, but it's they still crow. It's just muffled because mm-hmm. they can't like extend their voice. Like yeah, they can't take the you, huge breath mm-hmm. that they need to take. That's when you see like if you ever watch a video, the roosters. Well, I mean, obviously I know you know, but mm-hmm. everybody else they'll they have to puff their chest out and kind of throw their head back because they have to mm-hmm. take a huge breath and in. then let it out, but they can't get enough uh-huh, in with this pushed on but they can still totally eat and as long as you're a good owner you'll check the crop and you'll Mm -hmm. feel that it's good and we do so some people think it's like really cruel to do but i'm like they can do everything yeah they eat they drink they just can't scream yeah they can't scream (laughs) they can still no you know and as long as you kind of adjust it the feathers come yeah and i could fit a finger like a fingertip in there like and they can still crow yep they still crow and they still do their jobs as roosters and it's loud like normal yeah it's just not as loud yeah but um (laughs) yeah bambi kept getting his off and it woke me up one morning and was like that's it he's got to go so um, got rid of him but yeah it's hard to get rid of roosters um yeah but yeah we have a few um and mm-hmm. then my quail and chickens have were hatching this weekend um the last of the chickens hatched and um my quail keep dying <laughs> and my babies that just hatched and yeah. so i only have out of like 17 i only have eight left and i have no idea why the temperature is perfect they have the adequate amount of food and water they were all kind of tiny um i don't know it's just so weird so i was losing a lot i didn't lose any today but over the past couple of days i kept losing them so we put a bunch of quail eggs in the incubator and <laughs> more chicken eggs <laughs> i know i was like let's just put a few more in even though I have more chicks out there, but I think a lot of them are roosters. But that's the thing is like out of each of our, how many was that? That was five roosters and four hens. 
that's it. All I'm left with is two hens and you have two hens. So mm-hmm. out of nine, more than half were roosters. So I'm yeah. kind of thinking the same thing where like I have, I think I have like eight chicks in the garage and probably mm-hmm. more than half of them are roosters. I don't know. So we're yeah. going to hatch those. Those should be in like a few weeks. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be here. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we did not time that correctly. Every time. The first batch, <laughs> I was at Disneyland with my mom and daughter uh-huh. and I missed kind of it. And yeah. then this time I'm going to miss the second with the blue ones again. I know. It's so. okay. We're so, that's we're fine. not done. No. We're never done. <laughs> no. It never ends. The no, chicken math never stops. I know it's hard to just be like, okay, no more, no mm-hmm. more, maybe a few more. But, Ooh. um, oh yeah, that's what I was going to tell you. And I was like, oh, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Okay. So I usually, with my quail eggs, I'll hard boil them. Mm-hmm. Like the quail eggs we eat, not like yeah. <laughs> hard boil the babies. No. Um, <laughs> oh no. So I usually just hard boil the quail eggs. Sure, that's a delicacy somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, And Lily will pop them like M&M. She's just constantly like, I want another quail egg. And um, and so today I was hungry mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I have my quail egg scissors, which is like the last episode, I think, was scissors. I can't, can't keep it straight. Yeah, it was. We do so many. Yeah. So yeah. on the scissors episode where I talked about the quail scissors. Well, these were cheap ones off Timu. And the oh, okay. amount of little tiny eggshells, like the itty bitty bits that ended up, I swear I have like an eggshell, little oh, tiny bit no. stuck in my throat, you know, where mm. it like scratches it and you're convinced like it's right there. Yeah. Because it irritates and You have a, like a little irritation. Yeah. There. So I'm like, I need better. Got to drink something nice and hot, even though it's a fucking Ugh, billion degrees. It's supposed so... to be like 106 today. Yeah. I don't know, drinking anything hot. I made that mistake no. yesterday when I had that ramen. It was so good. <laughs> I was though. Like I'm so hot, but yeah, I was hungry. Um, so I made the quail eggs, and they were so yummy. And I'm sure that's gonna keep me full for a while. But now I'm like convinced I have a little eggshell stuck in my throat. It's like oh, no. right here. So, um, anyways, talking about chickens again. Forever. So, Last crime of chickens. <laughs> if you know, you know. You we know, don't even know. have to. We don't we even need to make that to. into a bumper sticker. We totally will. Yeah. Speaking of which, I did, yeah, I did do our QR code window decal, and if you are on Patreon, you get one full free. So, yay! uh, Sign up on Patreon, follow us, listen to us. It's a lot of fun over there. Okay, so do you have the craft? Yes, of course you do. I bought the craft. Okay, (laughs) I'm ready. My topic is actually really interesting because I found it probably. Gosh, I was like 19 or 20. Okay. And um, I remember just being like on Amazon looking at different like mixed media. Mm-hmm. And this popped up and I'd never heard of it in my life. So I've been hanging on to it in the back of my head, but never looked into it. Oh, really? Never got the book. Had no idea what it was. It just looked cool. Okay. So, I like those kind of crafts. Like, yeah. Is this? So this is Encaustic painting in caustic yes. like c-a-u-s-t-i-c yeah n-e-n oh n-caustic okay i was n-caustic n-caustic okay so n-caustic paint is one of of course we always say it's one of the oldest ever mm-hmm. it's one of the oldest um forms of painting okay um it's a media okay and it was created by the ancient Greeks, of course, mm-hmm. um, over 3,000 years ago. And um, it was me, uh, the Greek word for it was enkostikos, uh, enkostikos, probably. Mm-hmm. And it means to burn in. 
Okay. They used this medium. It was a, a wax and you had to heat it in a charcoal burning fire and because it had to stay hot and warm. It had to stay liquid because okay. it's wax. Okay. And they would use it to highlight um, sculptures that were around the palace, around town. And they would use it as a an unpigmented version as like a caulking or mm-hmm. a chinking for buildings and boat structures. But because it's wax, it would make it water waterproof. Mm-hmm. And so it was also, you know, the architectural aspect. It was used for waterproofing materials and um, it was used for paintings and murals. So it had like a multifacet of uses. Okay. Um, during the Hellenistic period of Greece, which was the time period from the death of Alexander the Great in um, 323 BC to the death of Cleopatra the Seventh, in which is the Cleopatra we know, mm-hmm. um, in 30 BC, Egypt had picked up the art in that time in oh, that okay. Hellenistic period. They had picked it up. Okay, and. So the the most well-known encaustic painting from that time frame were these super realistic uh, Fayum mummy portraits in Egypt. And these were like a shroud cloth painted with their likeness okay. to cover their body during uh-huh. like what what we consider in modern times to be like a funeral okay. or memorial. Okay, I was kind of picturing that, mm-hmm. yeah. So they lay it over their body and it's like for when they go to the afterlife, like this is what they look like. So okay. they get to take that oh, okay. figure with them, uh-huh. not their like rotten mummy body because yeah. they believe, you know, you're going over. So I think that also helped it. Yeah. And um, those will be the images when this episode comes out on Instagram because they're they're still in existence in museums. That's this cool. wax has held up through the test of time, but it had to be done on a solid surface okay. because um, type like flimsy types of materials, it's going to bend, flex, bow, and crack. Mm-hmm. So these are always it. It's surprising that it stayed so well on this material because mm-hmm. throughout history it's been as paintings on walls. Yeah. And so this held up and they Ooh. were... I'm sorry? No, I was going to ask a question. Oh, was yeah, this used up? like with King Tut or uh, no? I'm not sure. I, I have to... Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. I have to... It's, our headphones are still messed up. <laughs> I haven't ordered it yet. It's coming. I know. Tomorrow. Um. So... I, I'm not sure. Well, the only reason, because I'm like, I'm trying to picture it. And we went to the King Tut exhibit out in LA um, when it made its way out here. And I, I know they had, I'm pretty sure there was like paintings on fabric still. And I'm wondering if it's the same thing, but um, I'm like trying to picture. Fast. Yeah. I'm just trying to picture in my head and I'm like trying to remember the exhibit. But I mean, Lincoln was like an infant then. So he was like difficult (laughs) and so I like didn't really get to see as much as I wanted to see because yeah when Lincoln wasn't a baby he had like colic and stuff so I was just trying to keep him quiet in an exhibit but it was like the one that you walk through Mm -hmm. they had like a little show for you to watch to like prep you to go into the exhibit and they had all of these amazing artifacts and I'm trying to remember if any of them were probably with that like caustic painting or not 
I mean, it's not a big deal. We can. I'm just like, like so. No, I'm just <laughs> listening to you. And I was like, I can look. Um, Yeah, I will keep looking. But I'm not sure because I don't know what year he lived in. So I can't remember that point, either. Yeah, because I'm yeah. like, when you said Cleopatra, I'm like, OK, well, I'm thinking Egyptians, Egyptian <laughs> time. And then I'm like, yeah. well, then there's King Tut. And I'm like, I kind of went there and I can't remember. I, so, I saw that, too. Um, I believe it was at. Was it at the California Academy of Sciences up north? I'm not mm. sure. I'm yeah, this was at the um, the place next to um, the museum, the Natural History Museum. What's it called? The California Science Center. That's, <laughs> That's funny. Both of those have like such similar names, but it's like northern and southern. It's probably just the northern branch and the southern branch. Yeah, because it's <laughs> like the the Natural History Museum and then you just like walk next door. Yeah, which is crazy because I'd never been there's there. There's the California Science Center and that's where they have the sh- the Endeavor shuttle. And, oh, okay. Um, oh, God, so you can must see be that. huge. Yeah, I think they're... Tra- Anyways, so, no, so off okay. topic. But yeah, I was just thinking about the King Ted exhibit when we went there about like five years ago. I will was, look. Yeah, it was and I really will cool. update. Yeah, just curious. That's okay. <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, you know, asking all the questions. Exactly. Finding all the answers. <clears throat> so, of course... Pliny the Elder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wrote about encaustic wax paint in the first century CE. All those times are different because they changed them all and it's crazy. I know. It's like BCCE, mm-hmm. BCE. It's also because it's like faith versus non faith because yeah. it's like before Christ. I don't even think it's before Christ existed, but the BCE, I'm not, they changed. I, don't I know. know. I have to Google it. I forgot. I, that's where I get mixed up too. <laughs> I was not good at uh, history. No, I didn't like it. So it's, I like it now, but I didn't then. Ugh. Oh, farts. It's because I tucked the, it under my leg. It's this cord we're really struggling today. Sorry. <laughs> um, so he wrote about these Roman portraits and how there was a trend of Roman aristocrats having these encaustic paintings in their house as murals. And so it suggested that it did go through a time of popularity where people mm-hmm. were like seeking it out and maybe it was an expensive it's always expensive yeah all of these things we talk about it's like it comes from rich people and then they're like oh, I don't want it anymore yeah <laughs> So after the fall of the Roman Empire, encaustic paint fell too. And it was kind of the those ancient heating techniques. There was no replacement. It was too much. And they had mm-hmm. already come up with other types of paint at this point. That constant fire was laborious. And without really being able to like paint it onto a canvas frame, it always had to be on a slate or on wood or on a wall. Those are mm-hmm. not light. You can't travel with it, you know, people when people would move. So it kind of went away. Okay. And during Renaissance times... Um, it was it was mostly abandoned by then, and they had started using tempera paint, which is still something we totally use now, and it's mm-hmm. non toxic because the binding base is egg whites, which is why it smells funny. Uh-huh. And um, then there was fresco paint, which was a water based um, a water based pigment that had to be applied on fresh plaster. Because the plaster was going to absorb that pigment. Like Mm -hmm. if you ever get chalk wet and you just watch it like. Yeah. And so the plaster would absorb that pigment and therefore they could then seal it because they had Mm -hmm. a lot of different glazes and lacquers and they could seal that and it would last forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can still go and see that stuff out over there. Yeah. It still exists. So. Oh, and oil paintings, of course. That's been around forever. Yeah. 
Bob um, Ross with his oil paintings. <laughs> <laughs> so precious. I know. So um, some artists during that time, um, Luca Cronache and Andrea Montaigne, continued to experiment with the use of encaustic paints through the Renaissance. But again, it just kept falling away because mm-hmm. there was no electricity. So they're not like we could just put it on a burner and keep it warm. Yeah. It was as soon as this paint cools, you can't use it. Yeah. It has to be hot. Yeah. So, so weird. <laughs> I know, right? So when we get to the 18th century, archaeologists had started looking into the the process and the formulation because we've always been curious yeah. you know so they're like what is this it's the only yeah. one we can't find out and uh-huh. i purposely left out this like what it's made of for uh. what i'm going to get into oh okay so they started like taking the studies smells textures of all of these things because you know it's 18th century we don't have a ton of you know scientific yeah, yeah. resources yet and Knowing binding agents, because oil paint's been around forever, its base is um, a linseed oil. And I do wonder what it was back then. But I think it's always been um, one of these type of liquid rosins. When it dries, it turns Mm -hmm. into a lacquer. Mm -hmm. It just takes forever. So they've been, between the things they already knew, they're starting to take in-depth experiments. And they're studying and they're trying to recreate it. Um. Because they were able to go to um, the walls of Herculaneum and Pompeii when they cleared it and they discovered through that atrocity, the walls were preserved with their encaustic paint. Oh. And they were like, what the heck? And so I'll have pictures of that too. It's crazy. They're Uh so beautiful. It's like unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It's just, it was lava. Yeah. And I'm guessing it was probably because the ash encased it enough to, like, keep it blocked and cooled. It, like, baked on is all I can think of. Yeah. So Europe quickly had come back to the the beauty and the of this medium. Mm -hmm. And so some artists had so this is still the 18th century. And so a bunch of famous artists had started pulling it together and exhibiting works in France during this time but by the mid 19th century it still wasn't really it wasn't popular the Mm -hmm. recipe had essentially been lost and it was kind of just practicing and trying to see what came close to it but they were never identical it was never like Goldilocks Mm -hmm. it was never perfect Mm -hmm. (laughs) I say that like the poem you know (laughs) this one's too hot this one's too cold so it was never right it was never Mm -hmm. perfect at that point and again no modern heating (laughs) yeah so it still sucked and I'm thinking probably to do these experiments you got to keep a fire burning too yeah it's like caught and waste of materials it's Mm -hmm. not you know all these things they matter so the popularity never rose again but then in the 1950s an art student named jose cuny started to try to recreate this recipe he had a very well-respected friend who was a chemist and so they went to um the the herculaneum and pompeii and studied and kept going and jose 
kind of he he got some stuff that he thought was pretty close he started pulling together a formula he thought was pretty close but it still wasn't just right Mm -hmm. so at this point you know it's already been almost a hundred years since someone has really perfected it and his is still unmanageable Mm -hmm. but he really wanted to keep going this was something he like changed his whole path of his life was Mm -hmm. to recreate this as part of the art world again because it was what he loved you know you just find that thing and that's how like there's entomologists who only study mosquitoes because they just find it and that mm -hmm, and that was what he wanted to do Mm -hmm. so he kept improving his paint recipe and in 1962 he finally figured out what he thought was the perfect recipe it was identical he thought it was exact He's really excited and he goes to the scientific community and he's like, look what I did. Look what I found. I've recreated this. Like it's history. It's mm-hmm. in it's archaeology. Look at what I did. And they it was crickets. They didn't care. It was like really? whatever. Yeah. It just wasn't that important. Hmm. And the only thing I can think of is because like in 62, like it, it was the art was not um, a huge focus like art was coming forward but Uh you know the problem that's starting is like vietnam is ramping up and it's coming yeah and i think that's probably part of what yeah that that can make sense had make that happen and so it's really sad and he actually he lost he lost the heart for it he stopped Mm, pursuing it but he did continue painting with encaustics Mm -hmm. in the early 90s his sons Jorge and Pedro took up his work to continue their father's legacy. Oh, okay. And he's still alive, but they wanted to make sure that all the work he did for most of his life Mm -hmm. was appreciated by the art community. So they set out to prove that he was right, that his formula was correct. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so they started a chemical study of the Roman wall paintings. They actually went and were able to get samples, took the chips, and sent those samples off to two separate labs to see what was going to come back, like Mm -hmm. two separate opinions. Mm -hmm. And it was all done here in the USA. And both studies proved that Jose had created and crafted nearly an identical match. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> Basically, the whole thing is beeswax in a type of tree resin called damar mm-hmm. that comes from the family of the Dipterocarpaceae. <laughs> Dipterocarpaceae <laughs> trees from Asia. Oh, so that to me just, just added this like most amazing element of like <gasps> they were like trading, trading and importing these rosins. And the thing is, obviously, it's not it's not a secret because you can buy the encaustic blocks and you heat them on a griddle. I uh-huh. It's crazy. And people still do it. That's cool. And the thing that I love the most is it's so sad and messed up, but like it's so simple. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with it's pigment, beeswax, and this tree resin. Yeah. And it's just like oil painting, pigment uh-huh. and linseed oil. Mm-hmm. And that's basically it. And it, how many things did he have to go through? How much did he have to do? And it's not like, oh my God, I can't believe it's so simple. Like you're inventing something essentially. Yeah. How many exactly. things did he have to test until that point? From what place? There's not a ton of information. I just find the whole thing 
fascinating but yeah. it is water soluble so like in the process of like cleanup they just wet it huh. hot water wipe it up you know that's crazy and um yeah it's still a popular thing today yeah and um jose cuny is still alive oh yeah and he's okay. old and he still oh, lives in well, spain at least he, knows he, was, he was right yes you know? he was right and he's still painting and That's thanks cool. to him this amazing medium like the best part is imagine like super thick oil paint how mm-hmm. you have like texture and bumps and yeah. stuff. your brain says how does somebody paint with wax and i still can't my it's so strange because these paintings are gorgeous Mm -hmm. and they look like it could have been done with any kind of paint yeah and it's so strange and um i the one of the videos that i watched that was talking about jose cuny it shows him painting and it's just weird because it's very thin. It's mm-hmm. like you're, it's buildable. And I think that's what it is, is you're just building, building a layer, layer and a layer mm-hmm. and a layer and a layer. And um, you can make it super thick and then carve it down. Yeah. So you huh. can make a like a shape. You can, It's crazy. That's it's beautiful. Cool. And it's so strange. It's just wax. Yeah. And now I'm like weird. wax and resin didn't melt in Pompeii wax uh, it's yeah. just so crazy well maybe because hmm beeswax is pretty tough when it's solid though yeah. it has kind of a high melting it point does. but maybe Stop. i don't know yep, yeah it's crazy <laughs> it's well, magic it paint covered by ash that's what i'm thinking so it's, it's, it's it just had to the ash but the ash was hot it was enough. really well, hot. i know it was i mean hot, it killed everybody i guess well it suffocated everybody i'm guessing is it like the because, like, think about when we have wildfires out here, the ash, like, it's not hot when it touches you. Yeah. And Pompeii, I don't know. I don't think it was I don't that know either. hot. Because, I don't know. But, wow. <laughs> it's so weird. It is. And That's it's cool. funny because the original, I don't have any fun facts, but mm. one of the things I was listening to is their initial, their initial, like, uh, findings way back in the day they thought one of the ingredients was soap oh so well, I'm guessing I think when I looked up the kind of trees they are they look really similar to rubber trees oh and I'm thinking because rubber trees give out like it uh, I think shea I think the shea, like shea butter, comes from a type of rubber tree because oh, if you have an, a latex allergy, you could be allergic to shea butter and not realize oh. it. And so my brain goes, okay, well, if it's a rubber tree, the saponins could be really high. <laughs> just my brain goes like a million places. So it's just, I'm sorry. I feel like there's information left out, but it's just... That's fine. This is a good overview. And it's like we were talking about running out of, you know, like crafts and stuff. It's like, well, we will totally revisit with more information as it's like questions like now that like when Mm -hmm. I was asking earlier. I'll go back and I'll look at it again. Yeah, that'll be. Because I didn't think about it. And so it's like, okay, I can go back and fill in all this stuff I forgot. Yeah. So, wow. Good job. That was interesting. Thanks. No idea. I was really struggling with what craft I was going to do. And I kept thinking, I kept thinking and my brain just went, hey, remember that? book you saw like 20 years ago and of course never did it because you 
we're like, I'm totally going to do this. Mm-hmm. But that's our problem with all the crafty stuff. It's like, oh, I can try that. I want to mm-hmm. try that. I want to do that. And then we're and good at it. I know. Usually. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, crap. Now we got like $500 in materials and two yeah. weeks later I'm done. Yeah. And that's why you have an entire craft room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah. Lucky. Like, I don't have. It's also a cat box. It, it is. It so is the rude. cat. The cat room it's slash craft room. Cat craft room. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, so I guess I'll bring it down. Of course, I know one of us has to do it, and I will say that this is going to be a long one. <laughs> um, it's uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because I typed up a lot more than I usually do. <laughs> there was just a lot of crazy information that I found. So, um, just buckle up be prepared so this is the disappearance of kelly bullwinkle okay and this really shocked me in a lot of ways and you'll Mm. see why as we go through um because it is very very close to home for us takes place in redlands california oh god i know so as i'm watching this show i'm like oh my gosh i know where that is yeah i know where that is because you know it's like we live out in this area and in redlands there's you know you just know so a lot of these places so you'll you'll get it so this takes place in redlands california Mm -hmm. um september 15th 2003 so not that long ago this was like 20 years ago right yeah 20 years Mm -hmm. ago (laughs) like what year is it yeah so okay so laura williams was gone on vacation and she comes home and she immediately can see that something's wrong uh her roommate 18 year old kelly bullwinkle is missing and kelly's dog blaze was alone in the house and Kelly noticed that the dog had not been fed or given his insulin. Oh, gosh. So he was, like, sick. He did not yeah. look good. So she knew right away something's wrong. Yeah, like, she Be- would never not do that. Yeah. And Kelly um, would have to, like, feed the dog twice a day or the, the insulin, you know, give the insulin twice a day. So she just knew, like, the dog's in bad shape. This is not good. Yeah. And so Laura immediately files a missing persons report with the Redlands Police Department. Oh, so weird. And it is it is weird when you're hearing something where like, like I see Redlands PD all the time and mm-hmm. it, all these cities around us, you know, they're kind of all over. I bet you we could drive around the corner and see them parked over there, you mm-hmm. know, by the hospital and stuff. So, um, so she yeah files the missing persons report and she was just like, this is out of character. Like they would not leave. Or she would not leave mm-hmm. her dog in this state. Yeah. And so days continue to go by without any sign of Kelly. So detectives need to look at, like, who may have talked to Kelly last. So Laura played the answering machine messages. Because remember, this is 2003. <laughs> yeah. So the message was from one of her friends, uh, Kin- Kinsey Nordman. And Laura said that she knew to call Kinsey because her and Kelly were, like, best friends. So she's like, she probably knows where Kelly, like, was or what was going on. Uh, so when detectives talked to Kinsey, she told detectives that she had spent the evening with her the night before she disappeared. On So she's saying Friday. Mm-hmm. She hung out with her. She said that she 
left Kelly at home. And so detectives then scour the house to see if they could find any evidence of foul play. And they don't find anything. Nothing is missing. So they're like, hey, let's just start to gather fingerprints from the house to see if they could see, like, if someone was there that shouldn't be there. Which is so crazy to me because then, like, think of our houses. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Of the amount of fingerprints around Seriously, the house. But I think that's... it's, like, the go-to. It's the go-to. You know. The doorknob, the mm-hmm. TV remote, the doorways, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. But still, yeah, a lot. So <sighs> light crazy. switches, toilet mm-hmm. flusher thingy, you know. So... Got yes. the doorbell with like nine oh million delivery drivers now. I mean, not yeah. back then, but yeah, not maybe not not as much. But yeah. So yeah, so they're just gathering fingerprints and so, but nothing showed foul play. So uh, Kelly's mother, Diana, she is actually a ch- uh, chief petty officer with the U.S. Coast Guard, and she was contacted while she was out at sea, and she was told that her daughter was missing, and so the Coast Guard flew her out from Costa Rica home to california or you know out here to california so um diana tells them that she had received an email from kelly just two days prior and she said the email was telling her you know just that she loves her and she missed her and that she was going to go to bed so kelly would have like definitely told someone where she was going so for her to just completely disappear was extremely out of character so her mom and you know her roommate they're like this is weird this is not like her so detectives actually then get a lead in the case yeah (laughs) no it's fine i know these microphones are loud um i'm fidgety yeah me too um so they get a lead Mm -hmm. kelly's car is found abandoned at the ontario mills mall in (laughs) ontario california I can't tell you the amount of times I've been to that I mall. I love that mall, but yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, so so it was, so the Ontario Mills Mall is about 25 miles or about 40 kilometers away from her home. Okay. So security at the mall had actually ticketed the vehicle two days in a row. Mm-hmm. So it had been there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And at this point, her mom knew that she had not left on her own, but that like something must have been ha- like something happened to her. Yeah. She was taken something like she wouldn't just leave her car there and her dog and all that. And the dog. Like, yeah. All everything. that stuff adds up. Yeah. So detectives know that abandoning a vehicle in a large parking lot of a mall, the way that her car was left is an indicator that something mm-hmm. it's a serious crime. Something happened. Yeah. Someone's trying to hide, you know, this. Up. So Kelly's car is obviously processed and they found um, like everything that was from inside of her purse it was on the floorboard like on the passenger side Mm -hmm. and her debit card and like other items were left behind and there was like no blood or like any evidence that a serious or violent crime had taken place in the car yeah so they're like nothing happened in the car Mm -hmm. so they still decide to like process the whole car they um they take fingerprints from the steering wheel um and they take DNA from the steering wheel, obviously, because you know there's like just a million fingerprints. So they take mm-hmm. DNA from the steering wheel, from like hoping we, they sweat. got sweaty. Hope yeah, we sweat would be screwed. Yeah, I know a <laughs> sweat would give me away. So that's um, how it worked in Point Break. So they process the steering wheel. They gather DNA from the steering wheel, mm-hmm. and they get a hit on that DNA, and it comes back to Kelly's best friend Kinsey. so you know they're thinking okay well best friends i don't think my best friend's ever driven my car though i don't think she has um 
I know I'm going to drive her car because she got a new car. So I'm going to drive it when <laughs> she comes out. <laughs> but um, so they talk to her and she tells detectives that like she doesn't know how her DNA got there. And <laughs> that immediately sounds ridiculous. Like, I don't know. I would. You would have thought that she would just been like, well, I'm her best friend. Yeah, I've driven her car before or whatever. No, sure, at least like, once or twice, I bet. Yeah, or... yeah, or I've driven her home when she was too drunk or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. she's like, I have no idea how it got there. Hmm. And so they're like, okay, well, and she's like, but I have a tip for you. And oh. you need to look at some of Kelly's other friends. And so she hmm. says that Kelly was involved with a group of people that were like, known to be criminals and she's now afraid like something happened to Kelly because she was involved with these people. Yeah. And so detectives, you know, get this tip and they decide, okay, we're going to look into these guys, but we're going to go to her workplace. She worked at Baker's drive through. So, so like where we go to get our <laughs> fry normal fries. I love, I love Baker's. Um, and so she talks to some of her coworkers and Cassandra Ontiveros said that on Saturday, September 13th, she Mm. was working and Mm -hmm. it was actually, Kelly was supposed to have the day off, but she came in because they were, you know, short staffed Mm -hmm. and um, Kelly left work around 4 p.m. on Saturday and Cassandra was one of the last people to see her alive. Mm -hmm. And so Cassandra believes her cousin, Mike McMillan and his friend, Eric McLaughlin, who both have criminal records. Mick and Mick, mm-hmm. Mick McMillan. Mick, McMillan and McLaughlin. <laughs> it's hard. They're both Micks. Um, so Mike and Eric, we'll just say that. They both have criminal records. And they may have been hanging out with Kelly. So they got to look into them. So apparently, after the two men heard the news, they started bragging about mugging Kelly for money and then burying her body in an orange grove. Who does that? Yeah. Even if it's a lie, it's just so unbelievable to say something so dumb. Mm -hmm. Because, like, yeah, why would you incriminate yourself? It's just they try to look cool. Yeah, and they were already criminals. And and it's like even if if it's a lie, you're gonna get some shit coming up after you for lying, and then you are like, she's missing. Why would you joke about that? It's ridiculous. So it's kind of like trying to be hard asses. mm -hmm. So they're like, maybe you know, okay, so. They buried her in Orange Grove. So for anybody that doesn't know, like Redlands is known for its Orange Grove. It smells like, so good. Yeah. And you drive. Um, it's sad because a lot of them are getting taken over by warehouses and stuff. But there's <laughs> still a lot of Orange Groves. And back in 2003, I mean, I hear Jack talk all the time about, I remember the Orange Groves. Yeah, before uh, there, there's a big, there's two really big shopping centers that are out mm-hmm. there that are brand new. And back then that was all oranges. Yeah. And um so orange groves mm-hmm. that's very vague too, oh yeah that's because, like 500 square miles oh of orange my gosh groves. it's like redlands was like all orange groves mm-hmm. and i mean there's even like the brewery um hangar 24 that's out there oh yeah their, their you beer gotta drive you have to drive through like 10 orange miles groves. of orange streets groves. that have orange groves on the side yeah. to get to it, it i remember going good. on a long drive and passing by that we were just driving mm-hmm. right oh the smell of the orange blossoms so mm. yeah so to hear that they're bragging about like oh we trust you know, it's very in an orange grove. It's not as specific as you think. You're thinking mm. orange groves in 2003. That is hundreds and hundreds half of, of redlands. Yeah, it, it is half the city. So, um, so it's very vague. But it's like they got to follow up on this lead. You know. So when detectives look into these two guys, they see they had been arrested multiple times 
for many different Just offenses. Tweedledee and Tweedledum um, yeah. over here. <laughs> and they were apparently hardcore gang members and mm. they were in that lifestyle. And so Mike McMillan was questioned first because he was already in police custody. He was arrested for um, unrelated charges of like auto theft and burglary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was already there. So they're like, well, auto he's, theft. he's like here. Stealing Let's... her car. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But it was obvious. Yeah. It was unrelated. So mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, they caught him for something else. So when he was asked about Kelly, he only referred to her as a white girl that worked with Cassandra. Oh. So he denied having any knowledge of her disappearance. And so detectives tried saying, like, well, we have information, like, suggesting that you're involved. (laughs) And so he got angry and just kept saying he had no involvement. So then detectives questioned Eric McLaughlin. And he was talking about his activities over the weekend. And detectives then are more concerned for other people's safety. Oh, gosh. Because of what he is confessing to. Okay. So, and none of it had to do with Kelly. (laughs) Um, He said that he had, over the weekend, committed some home invasion robberies. (laughs) And that he was involved in beating and sexually assaulting a person at a, quote, crash pad. So, like, a house where they would just crash. Yeah, like, so a, tra- he like a trap admitted, house, like yeah. flop house place. Yeah. So, I did a few home invasions and then a sexual assault. <laughs> Again? They're like, like, what? So, they're like, why is he confessing to all of this? Yeah. And his alibi that... His alibi is, I didn't commit that crime. <laughs> right. I didn't have anything to do with her disappearance. Others. I don't know where she is because I was off breaking into houses and sexually assaulting someone. At a party. Yeah, Ooh. so... Detectives then go to both men's last known addresses and 10 different locations, vehicles, <laughs> and houses is what they were dealing with. Yeah. And they were actually able to locate a crash pad, quote unquote crash pad. And this is like we were saying, it's a place where people would like go to crash, like to fall mm-hmm. asleep and use drugs and, you know, all that. So knowing that nobody's going to snitch and call. Yeah. And so quote both, unquote safe there, obviously. Yeah. It's like the safe house, the crash pad. Yeah. It's yeah, where people would usually get high and then sleep there so um both men like were known to go to this place frequently Mm -hmm. and they went multiple times over the weekend of her disappearance and so they go in there's no sign of kelly but there's some other like incriminating clues that they find there was a pair of female jeans that had a blood stain on them and there were newspaper clippings related to kelly's disappearance oh that's weird very weird yeah and as we know it's common for like the criminal um of a crime to come like that committed a crime to keep news clippings yeah um of their crimes kind of like a trophy mm-hmm. and so they're like this is weird so the evidence is sent for dna and fingerprints and this like shows maybe they're on the right track mm-hmm. they you know okay but why did they commit you know they're confessing to these other crimes mm-hmm. could they they can't roll them out like maybe so that all they have is like these little pieces of evidence, mm-hmm. the circumstantial, it's a lot of circumstantial. So-and-so right. said you said this and whatever. So detectives are kind of like, mm, this is a little weird. We have some doubts. And both men had been given multiple polygraph tests and they passed every single time. Mm. So detectives are wondering, like, why Why would they confess to this stuff? Mm-hmm. And then, like, these other crimes that they were committing to are felonies. And 
but deny any involvement with her disappearance. It's just so bizarre. That so, is really, it's and, just dumb. <laughs> yeah, it is. They're just dumb criminals. They're stupid. And so they knew that, like, they didn't have any solid evidence to link them to the crime. Mm-hmm. So, and because their confessions to the other crimes, like, of course, they remain locked up. They're not letting them go. Yeah. But it's kind of like, I don't, I don't know. They might not be the guy. So it's like the most ridiculous alibis. Like they're admitting to stuff because exactly. they couldn't have had anything to do with her because they were doing other illegal crap. Yeah. Which it does make sense because it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't do that, but I did do this. Don't try to tag this on me kind of thing. It's just so weird. Or if like, oh, really you like, you know, if say you were shoplifting and someone's like, you killed this person. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't kill this person. I just shoplifted over the weekend. Yeah. It's kind of that, I think, in their minds as gang members or whatever, it's like, well, I didn't do have anything to do with that because they know it's probably mm-hmm. going to be bad and they're going to, you know. So yeah. they don't want it pinned on them. So, yeah. So they're still locked up because of their crimes because they're criminals. And um, obviously, there's a lot of media interest. I mean, think about it in 2003 out in Redlands. It is, you know, back then it was still a small community. Redlands mm-hmm. wasn't very big. Um, it's gotten a lot bigger now. Yeah. You know, but they're... Um, you know, the community was really, like, coming together to try to find her. And so Kelly's mom and her friends start a search. They, like, were like, we're going to go look. And the Coast Guard was able to actually bring forward 100 volunteers to help. Because remember, her mom worked with the Coast Guard. Um, yeah. You know, so um, um, missing persons flyers were also distributed and posted. And her mom did, like, a press conference to try to get someone to, like, come forward. Just anything about her daughter yeah and three weeks pass by without any sign of kelly there's like no sign of her she's just gone and um then three paintballers in san timoteo canyon which is like right by redlands you know highland area it's jack goes there all the time well he went there all the time um but yeah, so up in it's funny because I mean I'm not really familiar with the area. Yeah, down it's here. just weird as I was like reading it and Jack was sitting next to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that place yeah. too. It's crazy. So, anyways, there um there's these three paintballers. They're out in San Timoteo Canyon, and they discover something absolutely awful. A decomposed body is found underneath an old sofa in an orange grove. So Tan- San Timoteo Canyon also in- involves orange groves. So this is mm-hmm. still out like by Redlands. The orange groves. Yeah. So the remains were in a very like pretty remote area in the canyon. And two of the guys said they were about 15 feet away and they smelled something awful. Oh, so no. they decided to go up to see where the smell's coming from. And they see what looks like a limb sticking out from underneath the sofa. And the paintballers immediately contacted the Redlands police. And forensic teams are called out, obviously, to the location of the body. And they notice a few things. One of which is that there's no drag marks at the scene. Which indicated Mm -hmm. there's possibly, at minimum, two people Mm -hmm. in order to pick the couch up, place it on the body. If it was one person, they would Mm -hmm. have to drag the couch to put it on top of the body. Yeah. When the couch was removed, it was discovered that there was a shallow grave that the body was placed into. This grave was only about 13 and a half inches or 34.29 centimeters deep. Mm -hmm. And the right leg of the victim's body was extended outward because of like animal activity. And um, the killer or killers Mm -hmm. also left behind the tools that they used to dig the grave. (laughs) 
There were two separate shovels. <laughs> oh this also God, showed how dumb do you have to be? Exactly. This also <laughs> showed that there were two or more people involved. Yeah. And neither shovel like has any trace evidence. And the crime scene, however, had one very important clue. About three and a half inches or 8.89 centimeters below the top of the grave, detectives d- discover a fired 25 caliber cartridge case. And now this is not a, a very common type of weapon. Mm-hmm. And so obviously they send the, the casing mm-hmm. off to ballistics and the body is sent to um, medical examiner Frank Sheridan for autopsy. And he states that the body was in an advanced state of decomposition. Remember, it had been a few weeks. Yeah. And most of the soft tissue was decomposed. And lab tests show no signs of drug or alcohol. And the cause of death was a gunshot wound to the head. Mm. There was actually, there were two gunshot wounds. So one was like a superficial graze to the head from like the front towards the back, kind of angling. Oops, I hit my headphones trying to show you. (laughs) Um, So like going up, so it was like a graze to the skull. Um, Like aiming at her and missed. Yes. And um, then the other one. So, yeah, this suggests that like she was obviously looking at them because it's from front to back. It goes, Mm -hmm. you know, across her head. And then um, the second gunshot wound was to the right side of the head near the right ear. And that was the shot that killed her. Mm -hmm. So she was just shot through the head. He couldn't tell like which shot happened first. Like, you know, can't definitively say. Um, but you could kind of deduct, like, she probably, they probably missed and then got it right. Mm -hmm. Um, so through dental records, it's confirmed it's Kelly Bullwinkle. Mm -hmm. Her body was found just one and a half miles or 2.4 kilometers away from her home. So only a mile and a half, not far at all. Walking distance from her home. And obviously community's shocked and scared and the Redlands police chief was like trying to assure people there's no serial killer loose in the community and you know we just have a murder case now it's Mm -hmm. it was just a one you know it's a single case it's not like you know you guys should be fine Mm -hmm. um of course everyone's still freaking out i would too yeah um there's no motive that they could find of course not yeah she was fully clothed and her clothing was not disturbed so no sexual assault And it looked like it was just simply a murder and not a robbery or, like I said, sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And the twenty-five caliber shell casing is the one, the only, really the only piece of solid evidence that they have. And so the lab tests at ballistics show unique and distinctive markings on this shell casing. And unfortunately, when it's run through the database, no records come up with a gun that fired that shell. Which is crazy. I'm sorry because I'm like... That's big. Uh-huh. A 25 millimeter shell, like that, mm-hmm. that's like almost a full inch it's wide. It's like a big pistol. That's like, big. Yeah, yeah, it's big. That's crazy. I mean, obviously so, the bullet's not that big. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a craft I talk about, honestly, gunsmithing. But yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's big. That's big. Yeah. So that's crazy. They, and that's like a hand cannon. So it wasn't in any other crime. Yeah. But they're like, okay, so it's a very unique gun, big gun, mm-hmm. you know, and, and no other crimes that connect it to anything so they're like great so they have to go back to their original suspects Mm -hmm. mike and eric but those two men had alibis and when they give names of who they were with detectives talk to them and their alibis check out so they're like but it 
they said the orange groves, but it's not them. It's mm-hmm. they were doing other stuff. And it was actually the rape of another person that provided the DNA to prove the alibi for Mike McMillan and Eric McLaughlin for the weekend. <laughs> That's gross, but okay. Yeah. So Redlands police clear both of them as being involved in her murder. So wow. they, yeah, did other stuff, but they did not have anything to do with her murder. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, now what? So they decide, okay, yeah. we're going to look further into like Kelly's life and begin to look over her emails. Mm-hmm. And apparently there was a complicated love triangle that brought up some new suspects with her friend and so they talked to her mom to get some more information and she Mm -hmm. said you know she was a little concerned about the quote goth crowd that kelly was hanging out with now think (laughs) back in 2003 this is very like emo stage goth was you know a big thing whatever i had some goth friends (laughs) But I was um, goth in 2000. Yeah, I was like, I know I'm still friends with you. <laughs> um, so, so it was like, maybe look at them. I don't know. So mm-hmm. then friends like really just said, you know, maybe she was just trying to find a different crowd, fit in somewhere else, get different friends. And so, um, you know, they're looking at her online activity and she mm-hmm. had an online journal and this helped give detectives a little bit of a better idea on what her goth friends were like right before her murder it's funny to say goth friends because i'm like i i had goth friends yeah (laughs) and you were so it's just (laughs) really funny um but not because it's like okay obviously maybe well not obviously but maybe they had something to do with it not because they were goth but it's just like what is going on so they start you know looking into her online you know journal and there was a lot of bickering going on between them all kinsey Mm -hmm as we know, is one of her best friends. And she was someone that Kelly actually looked up to because Kinsey was a couple years older than Kelly. And Kelly just kind of did whatever Kinsey did, you know, really looked up to her. Yeah. And um, and Kinsey actually said Kelly was like her closest friend and like maybe her only friend, really. She was like, they were best friends. And um, as we know, their friendship was a little complicated because they were both close to the same guy. Mm-hmm. I knew it. <laughs> 19-year-old Damien Guerrero. So keep in mind, Kinsey's like 20, Damien's 19, and Kelly is 18. 18. So they're young. Mm-hmm. They're not even drinking age yet. Um, so Damien apparently was really liked. He was goth. And um, he actually just grew up in middle class, typical middle class. And, you know, Redlands' parents owned a realty business and he for whatever reason had girls just chasing after him all the time and he always had a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and he was known to be like very confident and a natural leader so um the movie at this time the movie natural born killers Mm -hmm. was a huge obsession of damien and kinsey's and they thought of themselves as mickey and mallory the two serial killers in the movie and Kinsey had even given Damien one of two rings that resembled the rings that the couple wore in the movie. I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so he had this friendship with both Kinsey and Kelly. Mm. But he also had a girlfriend named Elodie. That's a cute name. <laughs> I know. I was like, it was really, it's like Melody, but Elodie. Elodie, that's adorable. And he appeared to like be really close to Elodie and he was like confident in their relationship, but he would say that Kinsey was his soulmate. Hmm. So 
he had his girlfriend and his soulmate that he would hang out with, Mm -hmm. but also Kelly. Okay. And he had actually cheated on Elodie with Kelly. So he had slept with Kelly. He's with Elodie. His soulmate is Kinsey. This is very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, their names aren't too complicated. He's playing all <laughs> oh, yeah. these girls. Like I said, he always had a girlfriend. And... Like a young, dumb jerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was only 19. So friends thought that like Kelly was falling for Damien. And Kelly continued to try to be friends with Damien after all of this cheating and stuff happened. And Kelly's emails show an email from Elodie to Kelly, mm-hmm. so his girlfriend to yeah. Kelly, where Elodie says that she knows she had an affair with her boyfriend Damien, and that it has to stop, and if she doesn't leave him alone, something bad is going to happen to her. Mm. So detectives know they need to like look closer at all these people. This is yeah. a crazy triangle quad thing. There's four of these people. It's, it's like a love octagon. Yeah, with this guy <laughs> in the middle. And so it's like, what is happening? Yeah. So they need to like look at all of this. So they look again at the evidence from Kelly's car. And then they're like, well, Kinsey's DNA was on the steering wheel. Kinsey said she never drew, like, drove Kelly's car. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's very unlikely that her DNA would be on the steering wheel if she hadn't been in the car, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, someone could have had her DNA on their hands and then touched the steering wheel. That's true. Yeah. So, it, like, I, I like, if I... If you were going to check, if I drove and you checked my steering wheel, it would probably have, like, my, I hold my husband's hands all the time. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm going to, like, grab it, you know. Yeah, so it's, like, why it could have been. It's not yeah, out of the realm of It could of have been Damien driving her car, and she, like you said, held his hand and touched mm-hmm. the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, not completely impossible. Right. So, Kenzie is questioned, and she admits that she and Damien partied at Kelly's house the night before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. So detectives interview and fingerprint about like 10 to 15 of Kelly's friends and they're looking for alibis and any more information that like, do you guys know anything? Yeah. And one of her friends say that like earlier in the year he was riding in Damien's car and he saw Kinsey open the glove box and he saw a small pistol inside and it was passed from Kinsey to Damien and then back and it was put back in the glove box. So he saw this gun. Mm-hmm. So this shows Damien had a gun and Damien had actually gotten the gun from his brother who got it from a friend. So they know Damien has a gun. And so when they ask him about it, he says, oh, I fired the gun in the backyard. And like there's several casings recovered from the residence and they were compared to the ones found in the grave and they're an exact match. Of course they are. Yeah. So a search warrant was granted for Damien Guerrero's residence. And when detectives searched his room, they found an unfired bullet in his jewelry box. And it matched the same manufacture and caliber as the one that was found in the grave. So ballistics mm-hmm. compared the unfired bullet to the shell casings. And it was found to come from the same gun because the bullet had been removed from the gun and there were ejection marks that were left on it. So mm-hmm. they make okay. exact like they just knew it was from the same gun. Uh, so Damien Guerrero is asked to come in for questioning and he comes in voluntarily. There's no fight. And they give him a pad of paper and a pen and ask him to like write down everything that he did from Friday morning until Sunday night. He never mentioned that he had contact with Kelly at all, which Kinsey's saying they partied. Mm-hmm. And um, he does state that like he has problems. He's had problems with Kelly, you know, with the whole cheating thing. He yeah. says that when he broke up with Elodie, he saw he was seeing Kelly for a little bit. Um, but then he still 
he was like, I, I still like Elodie. So I went back to Elodie mm-hmm. and broke it off with Kelly. He then said that the two of them got into an argument in downtown Redlands and kind of caused a scene. Mm-hmm. And down, downtown Redlands is like a very small like shopping. Like you walk you walk through these little shops and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so imagine this couple fighting and well, not couple, but these two people fighting yeah. and kind of caused a scene. And he denies that he had any involvement in Kelly's murder. And when asked about the gun, he says that, like, he got his the gun from his brother and that he, like, I fired it once, you know. And he said that he was afraid that the police were going to stop him and find the gun in his car. So he threw the gun out the window into a storm drain. <laughs> and so they're like, okay. So they go and look in storm drains and they obviously they can't find anything. Mm-hmm. So then detectives look at Kinsey again. And so with the circumstantial evidence, she and Damien are being linked to Kelly's murder. It's clear. It's got to be the two of them. Yeah. So detectives tap both Kinsey and Damien's phone lines. And Kinsey makes a call to a friend. Mm-hmm. Quote, Kinsey says, I really fucked up. The friend says, what did you do? Kinsey says, Damien and I shot Kelly. It was an accident. <laughs> oh, my God. And the friend's like, What? So prosecutor don't tell me this. Yeah. I don't want to know. So they're, you know, her phone was tapped, so they knew. Now they they have what they need to take Kinsey and Damien in. Both are arrested. Mm-hmm. And Elodie is actually cleared of any involvement in Kelly's murder. Elodie had no idea about the murder and there's no evidence showing that she had any involvement with the murder. Mm-hmm. And Kinsey Nordman admits to Kelly killing Kelly Bullwinkle. Oh. She says that Kelly's murder was a joke gone wrong. Oh no. She says that she and Damien had just planned to, like, scare her but not kill her. Like, scare her away. Yeah, like, scare her to get away from Damien Wave the gun. Yeah. Like, you better stay away from my man. Stay away. Mm. So, in the interview, I'm going to quote what she says. Uh, So, this is recorded. You can watch it. She says, we had just been talking about scaring her, I guess, for a while. And I don't even know why we were being just being stupid and I was supposed to take her down there on Saturday. And we were supposed to wait for him to get off work and come meet us down there. And he was just going to bring a gun to scare her. And that was going to be it. So that's what she's saying. Mm-hmm. So Damien and Kinsey had gone to the place with Kelly where they had dug the grave the night before. She said that she and Damien dug the whole Friday night. She said that the shovel was left there. And then she said that on Saturday night when they took Kelly to the grave that they dug the night before, Kelly laughed and said, oh, like a fresh shovel. And she said they were all kind of laughing. And Kinsey said that she had her back turned and heard a loud bang. She then said that Kelly was on the ground and she didn't, she says, I didn't think anything was going to happen. And she didn't think that he was going to actually shoot her. So in this interview, Kinsey says... And then she was moving and making these noises. I thought she was still alive. She then says that she took the gun from Damien and tried to shoot Kelly with the gun. She said that it wouldn't fire immediately, so she gave it back to Damien. He did something with it and handed it back to her. She then took the gun and shot Kelly. She says she wanted her to die because she didn't want her to suffer. Mm -hmm. So this goes along with what was found of the bullet grace. It's probably his. She probably fell down probably hurt uh yeah if it was death, on the skull probably. yeah like, and so she's range. moaning and like what is happening you're yeah. thinking i got shot in the head and then kinsey's the one that shot her and killed her mm-hmm. so 
After Kelly was shot, Kinsey grabbed Kelly's feet and the both of them carried her to the grave. They buried her and put an old couch over it. They then took her car to the Ontario Mills Mall, ate at Denny's, and then watched a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know exactly where that <laughs> at Denny's is still there. <laughs> so, yeah. So bothered by what they had just done. And yeah. Kinsey, like, she has no emotion. She's... Yeah. Th- this was done in cold blood. She, like... No remorse, The average no person probably would have, like, vomited. vomited. There's no way I'd want to eat. Mm-hmm. If it was yeah, an no, accident, eat if it was an accident, you're going to lose your you're shit. You're going to freak out. But if this was premeditated, you're thinking about it, you're, you're planning ready. for it, you're ready for it. You're in this, we're like the, mm-hmm. you know, just like in the movie, we're going to act it out or whatever. I bet mm-hmm. you that's what it was. So, yeah. both, Nikki and Mallory Knox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she had no remorse. So both at this point, 21-year-old Kinsey Norman and 20-year-old Damian Guerrero are charged with first degree mor- <laughs> sorry, murder and tried together so both defendants had their own jury Mm -hmm. so everything was done at the same time but the jury had to determine the guilt of only one person so like kinsey had hers damien had his jury but everything was like all done at once and this also meant that like if there were certain parts of the trial and evidence that didn't really was wasn't specific to the one defendant the jury had to leave they couldn't hear like specific if it only pertain. it's weird so it was super complicated yeah that sounds like a lot the courtroom was packed there's cameras there's you know it was Mm -hmm. kind of a big deal you know then and prosecution lays out the case pretty straightforward Uh, kelly was lured down to the canyon by kinsey and damien they dug the hole you know dug the grave the day before they had the shovels and even had a change of clothes with them (laughs) clearly planned yeah, and, you don't need clothes to scare mm-hmm, someone. Like, come exactly. on now. They knew they were going to kill her. Right. And the motive presented was that it was a th- thrill kill. Uh, defense then says that it was a joke gone wrong. And defense mm-hmm. explains by saying, quote, you know it's a joke only because the way that they dug the grave. The grave is only a foot deep and it's about 58 inches to 51 inches long. So it's not a real grave. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? You can bury someone under anything. Yeah, like- it- yeah so uh, how it's very clear this was planned mm-hmm. the area was carefully planned out they knew this location they knew it was remote yeah. um the murder weapon actually was never found they mm. like damien did leave like took him on a wild goose chase like oh maybe check here or here and streets mm-hmm. were like dug up they were really looking for this gun yeah they never found it so with the two juries deliberating separately Kinsey's jury is the first to reach their verdict and she was found guilty of first degree murder and she was sentenced to 45 years to life mm. 25 years to life was the sentence for the first degree murder Mur- why, I don't know why I keep saying murder 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 and then the extra 20 was for the use of a handgun gotcha so because they're minors they're yeah and, well be... no they were she's the oldest she's 21 at this time oh they're all adults remember 18 19 20 but when they when committed the crime i don't think they're they were 18 19 20 yeah i don't think so yeah um but yeah they were all adults so um and the jurors were like appalled that she didn't call 911 but instead like grabbed the gun and fired the second shot to oh, kill yeah. her it's like instead of oh my gosh I can't believe you shot her call nine one one we need to get help this was just supposed to be a joke yeah yeah so she's sentenced to forty five years to life and Damien Guerrero's jury came back with a very different outcome the jury came back eleven to one in favor of convicting Damien for first degree murder and all of the special circumstances 
and so it was a mistrial because it's it has to be unanimous yeah and which is so weird to me like why are you even asking my opinion if i have to agree with everybody yeah no that's the thing and so it, it results in a mistrial if not everyone agrees so one person didn't um the jury actually they were saying like the jury was so frustrated a lot of them were crying i I can't even imagine that frustration of just like Mm. imagine deliberating and this one person's like i don't know i can't you you fucking jerk you ruined it (laughs) so three and a half years later damien's new trial is about to start and prosecutor and defending attorney end up coming to an agreement to plead to second degree murder which ended up giving him a 15 years to life sentence and her family had to just like they were just like i want to be done with it that's fine they didn't want to go through another trial so they knew that he was going to have to serve time for what he had done and Mm -hmm. the detectives and officers like when i'm watching the show they were very affected by the crime and you can hear it in their voice and see it on their face like choking up and it it was hard Mm -hmm. for them uh you know kelly was so young you know it was just her life was taken just not that any of these make sense but it's just like it's so ridiculous people i guarantee you it was like they just wanted to be like the serial killers in the movie and they're like we're gonna do it and let's kill kelly Mm -hmm. it's it's sick so kenzie nordman now 39 (laughs) has been serving her sentence at the California Institute for Women in Chino, California, <laughs> since May 2005. Cow fart smell. <laughs> yeah, by my mom. I was telling my mom about this this morning, and I was like, she's like right down the street from you. Well, not down the street, but like very close, mm-hmm. very close. And I remember in high school having lockdowns because someone would escape from the prison or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she's been there since May 2005. She's still, you know, she's got her 45 years to life. So Damian Matthew Guerrero, who has been incarcerated at Chuckwalla Va- Valley State Prison in Blythe since 2008. Ready for this? When's he getting out? He was granted parole last week. Oh, fuck. I know. I was shocked this entire case. Yeah. He was granted parole last week as the date we are recording today what is it the 25th is it, I think july so. 20 no 26 yeah so we are recording today is july 26 because mm-hmm. we record in advance i know this isn't coming out till september yeah so as of today july 26 last week he was granted parole now governor gavin newsom for california had actually blocked his release before and um so you know it's now it, he was granted mm-hmm. and he is scheduled to be released because remember it's like you're granted parole but you're not released yeah. immediately he is scheduled to be released at the time that we are recording this tomorrow <laughs> thursday july 27th oh, what yes yeah he'll be out tomorrow he better get the fuck out of this area yeah Oh my gosh, that, that is so scary I and weird. Was shocked. How many times do we do these cases, and then they have like weird lines date up where like you and I are not doing this yes, on purpose? No. One of my older cases, I was like, it's right now. Yes. I'm doing this right when this is like all lining up. It's crazy. Yeah, I was shocked because it. Um, I didn't. I had a few different cases I wanted to do, but I really like learning about a case as I research it because mm-hmm. then it gets your gears turning. It's like, oh, I want to find out more. I want to find this article. I want to mm-hmm. find that article. So I watched this show um, on Discovery Plus. It's usually what I do. It's called Solved. It came, this mm-hmm. episode came out in 2008. I will link it in the sources and watch it. I pretty much just summed up everything. So it's like I'm not 
plagiarizing. I watched it and yeah. <laughs> it's how else can you tell the story? But um, yeah, I watched this episode and I was sitting next to Jack. Like I said, and I was like, oh my gosh, Redlands. I was like, what? Because <laughs> he can't hear because I have yeah. headphones on. I was like, oh my gosh, Chino, like that's right down the street. And then I was like, okay, so this episode came out in 2008. And then after I take my notes, I take more notes I go in and I fill in I mm. want to find this article yeah exactly and so I just typed in Kelly Bullwinkle uh-huh. and Google popped up because it's and, like right now and it said four hours ago and oh. I was like what <laughs> so the article I'm linking uh-huh. was literally as I'm Fresh. as I was doing my research <laughs> it was popping up it was published like it <gasps> was that it was he's being released tomorrow or on Thursday mm-hmm. the 27th of July yeah, I was like, so what our are the tomorrow. chances? So what? Yeah, our tomorrow, yours is. He's been out for a while, but um, that's yeah, so I. Scary. And what is crazy? How is, many murderers are literally walking around us? That's the insane part. I know, and the fact that it's like he's, you know, if he's gonna come back out, his family's, you know, out and, and he's not and even that much older than us. No, he's like just three. 40. He's forty. He's, no, wait, she's thirty-nine. He's thirty-eight. Yeah, he's younger than my husband just a little bit older than us that's scary um you hope he learned his lesson and you hope that's the true story of what happened that he you know faked faked, a grave uh, to scare someone i don't know but it's um, crazy to me that he was able to like lose the gun mm -hmm. that never happens really Mm -hmm. i mean yeah and what is really crazy about this and i feel like it was it it was meant to be this story today Mm -hmm. um Usually, like I said, what I do is I'll just scroll through random shows, ones that I haven't seen. I'll go back to ones that I like, mm-hmm. the way that they're told. And this one popped up. You know, I go through the true crime and I'm like, oh, okay, this, you know, solved. Okay, yeah. I'll scroll through. There's like three seasons on there. And looking I'm just looking at just the, the picture and I'm not really reading until I like look at the picture, I see the title, and then I'm like reading and oh, okay, I haven't heard of that. And, mm-hmm. and so this one, her face... I stopped and I was like her I I don't know what this is Mm -hmm. but it was like it's like she spoke to me like tell my story Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that like I'm it's just it for me it was like whoa okay it was no brainer I didn't even read it I I, vague little thing I was like okay plus press play got my laptop up yeah Jack sitting next to me and I'm just like whoa 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 like this is crazy it got crazier and I was like I have goosebumps right now but yeah and just the fact that it was then like that he tomorrow local very right now very local That's happening insane. to us right now and we had no idea no idea well let's and hope that he probably i think typically when you leave prison for those kinds of sentences you have to go into transitional housing mm-hmm. for quite a while you usually leave and are still on probation you know a couple houses down from you that used to be one <laughs> yeah because we had we called him wheelchair guy uh-huh. he would have brown bag with the 40 in it or whatever <laughs> and he was in a wheelchair and he uh-huh. would just go up and down this the street and he was like super drunk but i think a lot of the i think because it's so close to a school they had to kind of like move that house elsewhere they couldn't use it for that and i uh-huh. think it's rented out or that's the house that sold the, the one with the nice grass right there yeah it was oh right there and so crazy. we had crazy people and it was people that had just gone out of prison and it was that transitional like house do yeah. you remember on Grandma Street, mm-hmm. your guys's house. Did you know that that dark brown house was that? 
Like Which not not okay. So if you're standing on the front porch of your front my porch, house? Mm-hmm, okay, it would my be house, like, yeah, thirteen. It would have been not now. the little duplexes next to it, okay, but the one next to it. Oh the yes, brown yes, yes. One. yeah. I knew I did know that. Yeah, that one was a transitional I know. living, which is like I, they need to exist. Yeah, but it's just crazy it was nothing but problems here, and I think <sighs> I I had to call a couple times because of um uh some uh men peeing and oh on the street like just by Uh the bushes and stuff and so there was a lot of like nudity happening and (sighs) and drinking and fights and the cops were here all the time they're not supposed to be doing yeah and so they shut that down but yeah now i think of his family lives there and they're the ones with the nice grass (laughs) but yeah if that was still it would probably be a house like that like could you imagine oh my gosh so (laughs) I don't know, but he, yeah, because he got 15 years to life and he's been in for 20, uh, just under 20 years, right? Because it was, no, it was 2000. So, yeah, I can't do my math right now, mm. but yeah, so that is the Thanks crazy for that story. nightmare. I know. <laughs> and like I warned everybody, this is a long one. We're at, what, an hour and 20. And, oh, okay. um, but the story needed to be told and, and it's very, very real and close, like I said, close to home and, oh, yeah. I, and I found like her MySpace, oh. um, but it didn't have like pictures or anything because MySpace, I think, is like you, mm-hmm. you can't see anything anymore. But when I Googled, it was like her and you could see like her closest friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Kinsey or Damien on there, but um, yeah, I read her um, obituary and stuff. And yeah, it's just, yeah, she was young. She's really, really pretty. Um, and I think that's why it's just like she spoke to me. I was like, you, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to find yeah. out and tell your story. So. Mm. Yeah, anyways, so with that, stay crafty. And not cry me. Bye.